Engaging Leader Podcast, Episode 116, Two Empathy Tools for Influencing People to Take Action. Leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. As you probably already know, yawns are contagious. <sighs> In fact, right now I'm probably causing many of you to feel the need to yawn. Did you know that it even works with animals? There was a study by the University of London, and they watched each, uh, they, they took 29 dogs and they individually watched them while they had a stranger come along, and that stranger person yawned in front of the dog. And out of the 29 dogs, 21 of them yawned in response. Isn't that something? Why is that? Well, the answer is in what science refers to as mirror neurons, also called empathy neurons. As a result of mirror neurons, we literally mirror each other in corresponding regions of our brain. So, for example, when I yawned earlier, if I had been hooked up to an MRI machine, when I yawned, there would be regions of my brain that would light up. As you are listening to me, the same regions of your brain would light up as well. And this wasn't even a live broadcast. You weren't sitting here across from me watching me. You were listening to this sometime at some later point. Now, here's the thing. Mirror neurons don't just involve actions like yawning. They affect thoughts and feelings as well. And for leaders, that's huge. In fact, understanding this is one of the keys that separate a traditional leader from a 21st century engager. You see, a a traditional autocratic style leader is going to be focused on achieving a certain vision and is going to cast that vision and want to persuade everyone else to come on board. Uh, A traditional leader or manager is going to tell people what to do uh, and may want to persuade them that it's the right thing to do and is going to use facts and logic and arguments to get them over to his or her point of view. Well, what happens when you own your position like that? You're actually going to, in today's world, influence those people not to come over to your position, but actually to own their own position. They're going to put up a wall and defend their point of view. Or they might say, well, it's pointless arguing with this person, I'm just going to give in. But they won't actually support or buy into that perspective. They, they just maybe have passive acceptance, but they're, they're not really, you won't truly be engaging them. Uh, one example of how this happens today is where you have a company or employer that is converting existing workplaces over to tobacco-free workplaces. It's one thing to launch a new company a new uh, or a new office or a new factory or a new hospital and say, hey, we're going to be tobacco-free, no smoking anywhere around here. And so all everybody you hire is going to be aware of that and is going to buy into that from the beginning. But what if you're trying to 
take an existing place that's allowed smoking for decades and tell people, look, let's, we need to quit smoking on our campus. You're going to tick off a lot of people. It's, uh, and you can present all sorts of facts and figures about why smoking and tobacco is harmful to you. You can uh, talk about the problems with secondhand smoke and how it's not fair to non-smokers to have you smoking in the workplace or right outside the door and have people have to walk through that. You can provide all those facts and figures and people are not going to support it. But when you dig into what's really going on in their minds, you find that the research shows that 70% of smokers actually want to quit. Most smokers know that they shouldn't be smoking. So um, it, there, there is something in there where they would be willing to go along with you and support this position. But how do you tap into that? I tell you what, in this little question mark here, is the secret reason why people resist our influence. And you know what? We don't even realize it's happening because we're not hooked up to MRI machines 24-7 and we don't see their brains lighting up and matching the same patterns as our own brain. So if we're trying to convince people, hey, you need to quit smoking and uh, we're going to convert our company to tobacco-free and you're going to like it, if we could see their brains lighting up and realize that they are just as focused on their own position as we are on ours and they're, they're not going along with us, it would change what we do. But that's, we don't see that. Instead, we only see the result, which is that they don't take the action that we're hoping for. And of course, the problem happens even if all the facts and figures, all the facts and logic are on our side. There's a neurology professor named Richard Restack He said, I love this quote, we are not thinking machines, we are feeling machines who think. A lot of us like to think that we are thinking machines, that human beings, if presented with the right information, will make logical, rational decisions, but they don't. And if we were really honest, we would agree that even we, as smart as we think we are, we don't. Instead, we are feeling machines who happen to think. So how can we influence feeling machines to take action? It starts with triggering their mirror neurons to nudge their thoughts and feelings in the right direction. And there are two powerful tools to do that, and you need both of them. The first tool is what I call empathetic perspective. Now, empathetic perspective means seeing this interaction through the eyes of your audience. Over 100 years ago, Henry Ford said this, If there is any one secret of success, it lies in the ability to get the other person's point of view and see things from his angle as well as your own. That was true back when Henry Ford said it, and it's even more true in the 21st century. Just last week, I was asked to review a draft of an initial initial announcement of a program launch at a large company. They were relaunching their corporate wellness program for employees. And the draft that was put on my desk had been written from the perspective of the company department that created the program. And it described the department's aspirations. I recommended that it be rewritten from the employee's perspective and make sure that it answers their primary question, what's in it for me? I'll just read a little bit of of this so you get 
the idea of what I'm talking about. Here's the old, the old draft. Our goal is that all of our employees lead safe, healthy, productive, and engaged lifestyles, both at home and at work. On the journey to bringing this aspiration to life, we will focus on five key areas that will make a positive difference. And then I'm just going to read the first of those five areas. Know your numbers. Ensure employees know their health through education and understanding of key health metrics, including glucose, blood pressure, BMI, and cholesterol. Okay, now, first of all, I'm probably lost half my audience right now because you got bored. If you didn't fall asleep during my yawn at the beginning of this episode, you fell asleep just now. But notice how that was all about what the company wanted. Our goal is that employees do this. Um, this is our aspiration, and we will focus on five key areas. We want to ensure employees know their health and these metrics, blah, blah, blah. So I recommended that it be rewritten from the employee's perspective and make sure it answers the question, what's in it for me? What's it, what is the employee going to think is in it for me? And this is the result. This is the new intro, how that um, was rewritten. At our company, we care about each other. We want all employees to enjoy safe, healthy, productive, and engaged lives at home and at work. This year, we're excited to expand our program with a wider range of educational resources to support your overall well-being. We now focus on five key areas that we know make a positive difference. And again, I'll just read the first one. And you'll notice all the information is the same. I've just tweaked the perspective that it was presented. Know your numbers. Information is power. Knowing whether your blood pressure, cholesterol, and other important numbers are in the healthy range helps you focus your efforts. Prevent a small problem from becoming a big problem. Now, hopefully you'll see how that is different, how employees are more likely to pay attention in the first place what you're saying and more likely to want to check this out and be open to it. It's seeing things from their perspective. It required some thinking from their perspective before you started communicating. Now, this wasn't rocket science. Every corporate communications person knows the importance of addressing what we, what's known as the WIFM question. What's in it for me? WIFM. W-I-I-F-M. But as leaders, we, we're often so focused on our objective that we forget about the need to have this empathetic perspective. And if we don't start from that perspective, we'll leave people cold even with a hot program. So before you walk into your next meeting, start with an empathetic perspective. Take a moment to imagine what those people are thinking and feeling about the topic of the meeting. Before you click send on that department-wide email, reread it while you pretend that you're one of the employees who will receive it. As you plan a major initiative, create branding that's going to catch the interest of the right people and appeal to what they care about. So that's the first tool, which is empathetic perspective. Let's talk about the second tool, which I call empathetic thinking. Now, while empathetic perspective should be your starting point, empathetic thinking is what you should do while in the act of communicating. In that moment, you should be actively trying to understand their thoughts and feelings. And most importantly... You should allow yourself to be influenced by their point of view. 
Allow yourself to be influenced by their point of view. If you do that, you're much more likely to trigger their mirror neurons and get a similar response from them. In other words, the audience will be more empathetic to your perspective. They'll be more likely to be influenced by the way you're thinking. That's pretty counterintuitive, isn't it? To influence others, you must be open to their influence. If you're closed to their influence, you cause them to be closed to your influence. Remember, mirror neurons cause the people that you interact with to literally have the same brain activity based on your thoughts or feelings. This reminds me of a scene in the movie Lincoln, the the one that came out a few years ago starring Daniel Day-Lewis. And Lincoln is talking to his close advisors, his cabinet, about their problems arguing with the lead opinion with the opinion leaders in Congress about slavery. And uh, he's especially struggling with Senator Thaddeus Stevens, who is portrayed by the actor Tommy Lee Jones, who's actually on the same side as Lincoln in the debate. He's a an extreme that's probably the wrong word, but he's he's a zealous uh, abolitionist. Thaddeus Stevens was. And in fact, Stevens is working against Lincoln because he doesn't think that Lincoln, that the the amendment uh, against slavery is going to be radical enough. It's not going to do enough. And so Lincoln finally has a one-on-one conversation with Stevens. And he talks about how if you're if you're walking through the woods and you know with a compass and you know what true north is, you know what your intended destination or outcome is. But when you come to a pond in the woods, you don't just go straight through it because that's what your compass tells you to do. You navigate around the pond. So that requires some flexibility. Use a compass to follow true north but navigate around the pond and other obstacles. Uh, if you've listened to Engaging Leader for a while, you've heard me talk about having a, the importance of starting with a target outcome so that you know where you're going with any specific communication or any specific engagement effort. That's, that's basically going to tell you what true north is. It's going to point you in the right direction. But you have to be careful about getting obsessively fixed on that outcome. Instead, You want to tell yourself that you and the other person or you and the audience need to mutually arrive at a destination. Be open to the idea that the other person might help you identify a better final destination. You're heading north, but there may be something that is actually a a, a mutual destination in that northward direction that's going to be a win-win. And if you're genuinely open-minded like that, your empathy neurons... Uh, are you're going to trigger the empathy neurons in the other person or in, a, in an entire audience and make them to be more open-minded with you. <laughs> and of course, as in all of life, the journey ends up being more important than the, the destination. So this is going to require more listening than talking. It's going to require more asking, learning questions than providing your vast wisdom. It's going to require starting with humility, maybe confident humility, but it's starting with humility and curiosity as you mutually craft a a shared purpose or a shared destination. 
It requires work to, as fully as possible, seek to understand the other person's perspective and their feelings. So those are two influence tools of powerful empathy. To plan your communication, use empathetic perspective. While you're communicating, use empathetic thinking. In both of those, you're going to be stepping back and trying to see it through their eyes and hear it through their ears. You're going to put yourself in their shoes and try to experience what they're feeling and to understand their motives and desires. With every communication you do, whether it's something formal or just a casual interaction, you'll be more effective if you use these two tools of powerful empathy. They're like a yawn in that they get the mirror neurons firing, but they do it in a way that will help you influence people to take action. All right, Engagers, that wraps up this episode. Let us know what you think by visiting our website and leaving us a comment or by clicking the red send voicemail button. You can find the show notes at engagingleader.com forward slash 116 as in episode 116. You can also engage with us at facebook.com forward slash engagingleader or on Twitter where I am at Jesse Leahy. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with midsize and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at AspendaleCommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Dustin Hartzler, our website engineer, JJ Leahy, our video and web intern, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of each opportunity to engage the people we care about.